welcome you. Thank you for being here in our second service. I want to welcome those of you who are online with us today. We are continuing in this series in the book of Proverbs. So grab your Bibles. Let's go there. We're going to be in chapter 7 today. And, uh, you know, as we, as we think about this, I've enjoyed journeying with you through Proverbs. I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am. And uh, it's just been an, an amazing thing just to be able to dig into God's Word together. Uh, before we get into the message today, I want to bring just a couple of things to your attention. Number one, next week, I'm just so excited about one of our church plant partners, Charles Wolford, is going to be with us next week. Charles has planted a church in Harlem, New York. He's uh, one of the, the churches that we are supporting and partnering with. He's planted a church in a very difficult place to plant a church. And uh, he's going to be here next week. He's an amazing preacher. You're going to want to be here for that. So I hope you'll plan on joining us in one of our services next week. And, and they're already baptizing people. They're seeing lives that are being changed. It's exciting. The other thing I want to tell you about, and uh, you've probably heard it a couple times already this week, is uh, how many of you are doing the Proverbs Challenge with, with me, right? You're reading through the book of Proverbs, and you know that chapter lines up with whatever day. And if you're doing that, you were probably reading this week, and you were in chapters 5 through 7 at one point, and you were thinking, if you've never read this before, Solomon gets into some pretty, I don't want to say dicey, he gets into some real things, okay? And he's dealing with some stuff that hits every single person, some, some temptations as well as just having a talk. He's having a talk with his son, the talk, essentially, and, uh, and, and here's the thing. I want to let you know I'm not getting into anything graphic today or anything like that. But, uh, but I think it's important that you know up front, I know some of you bring your kids in here, uh, I believe we should be talking to our kids about the issue of sex and, and temptations regarding that and, uh, and, and the good things about that, but I also, it's not my place to tell you at what age that is. So we've tried to give you a bit of a parental disclaimer, you're not going to hurt my feelings if you want to take your kids to the kids area, it's an awesome ministry that we have, I promise you will not hurt my feelings, nobody will judge you if you decide to get up, it's okay, alright? But again, not getting to anything graphic. I do want to tell you this though. You realize that in this age in which we live, I want you to know this, that uh, children are being exposed to pornography uh, by what they're saying average age 10 and a half to 11 years old. Solomon talks to his son. I don't know how old his son is. I don't know that. But the point is, parents, we have a responsibility as we disciple our kids specifically also into this area of sexuality and speaking about that and what that should look like and what God's boundaries are about that, okay? So just want to give you that disclaimer again. And, uh, and so as I was thinking about this message this week, I was thinking back uh, whenever I was in high school, I went to Basel right across the street. We had an amazing basketball team. Uh, I was not on that team, all right? But we had a great team. And, and uh, they, they uh, made the playoffs one year and went pretty far in the playoffs. And so I remember getting with my buddies, my football buddies, that they also were not on the team. And we wanted to go support them. And this basketball playoff game was down in Pflugerville, Texas. Anybody know where that's at? Okay. Some of you may be down from that Austin area. To get down to Pflugerville, how do you go? You go down 35, Right. Well, I went, I, this was the first time I kind of had taken a little bit of a road trip. I was a teenager. My mom and dad let me go because we were caravanning with others. But I was driving. Back in this day, there was not, there wasn't any GPS. There wasn't uh, cell phones. We didn't have that, okay? Some had the bricks. I did not. But uh, you just, you got there uh, the good old-fashioned way. How would that be? Maps. Right? And, and so, you know, I, I was following the group, got down there, but after the game, me and my buddies kind of got separated from the group that was coming back, and we were coming back up 35. Now, as an inexperienced driver, I had no idea that there is something that happens with I-35 around Hillsboro. How many of you know what happens? It comes to a fork in the road. And I was not paying attention. You know how it, go, it goes to Dallas, and one goes, one's E, one's W. And I had no idea that I'd never done this before. And, uh, and, and so, again, my buddies and I, we weren't paying attention to the signs. We weren't watching. We were probably arguing about something in that moment very important, you know, whether Batman could beat up Superman or whatever. And we're driving, and the next thing you know, I'm like, this doesn't look like the way we came. I don't, I don't recognize this. 
And, and before you know it, we end up going all the way. Now, the way I navigated back then was by these. How many of you, you know what I'm talking about? These right here. That's how I navigated. We didn't have GPS. It was grain elevators. I know to get to the grain elevator will get me to Saginaw. And you could see them from miles away. I couldn't see any grain elevators, man. We ended up in Denton. And I'm like, how are we in Denton? And I end up stopping, going in, and talking to a guy. I was like, where are we? He's like, you're in Denton. And, and I said, he said, where are you trying to go? I said, I'm trying to get to Saginaw. He said, dude, you're going the wrong way. If you keep going this way, you're going to end up in Oklahoma. You need to go back that way. And I just remember being there with my friends, asking this question, how did I get here? How did I end up here? I, I never planned on being here. It wasn't in the plans for me to be here. Maybe you've said that about a location, and maybe it had nothing to do with the map, but it had something to do with your life. How did I get here? I never thought I would end up in this place. I want you to hear a story of a friend of mine. His name is Jonathan, and how he ended up in a place that was an undesired destination. Watch this. My name is Jonathan Spells, and my wife is Natalie. We have three children, Kennedy, Henry, and Sawyer. Uh, we moved to the area back in 2016. 18 years ago, um, when I was married to my first wife, we'd been married for about six and a half years, I found myself at the beginnings uh, of a path that would take me to decisions and lead me to be a person I never thought I would be. Our marriage at that time, like I said, we've been married about six and a half years. Our marriage at that time had become busy. I had become busy. I was involved in graduate school. Uh, I was involved with work. Uh, I was involved, involved with social activities, you know, outside the home. As I had been spending more time away from home, Naturally, the more chronological time you have apart, you're going to build friction. And about a year into graduate school, we had a winter session where you could take a winter class, and it was an international trip. So they gathered those together who were interested and had, a, had an information session. Walk into the room, and I recognized somebody that I know. I thought, okay, you know, I'll at least have somebody that I know uh, on the trip. Go on the trip, and... I started being pursued and that pursuit started to elevate and started to elevate and in the beginning I, I, I was holding true and, and it was kind of upfront this is not something that can progress this is not something that I would even tolerate however I'm unstable at home I am unstable in my social life. I'm unstable in my work life. My church life really isn't going like it should. My prayer life's not doing what it should be doing. My faith walk's not as strong as it should be. So the, the semester is progressing and I'm getting pulled in a little more, a little more, a little more. Even got to the point where my wife at the time confronted me. Are you having an affair? And I told her straight up, no. Looked her right in her face and said no. I'm at work one day and I get a call from, again, from my wife at the time, and she has discovered enough evidence to see that I had been lying and that I had been having an affair. And she told me to get my stuff and get out of her house. The guilt and, and shame that was just overwhelming. There was a moment in time, there was a fork in the road at that moment, that was that was my jump off point. That was my exit from the highway. That was the whole thing. God had brought that to me, and I, I, I ended up just driving right past it. So I continued. I continued to spend time with this person in my heart. I knew it was wrong, and there was a, a battle, and that spiritual battle had physical manifestations. Um, I ended up getting ulcers. I, I wasn't sleeping. Anxious all the time. Um, my hair started falling out. Couldn't focus at work. It was a wake-up call, and that's what started helping me realize that 
I'm throwing my life away. My wife at the time, we ended up getting a divorce. I ended up ceasing to see this other person. At that point, God's like, now I've got you where I want you, where I need you to be, where you need you to be. You're humbled, you're broken, this I can build. When I started making my turn away from the things that I shouldn't have been doing, he began to I guess, replace them with things that were from him, things that were a blessing, things that were joyful. About a year and a half after I was able to remove myself from my relationship with this other person, God brought Natalie into my life. There was something different about her and something that I wanted to continue to be around in whatever capacity. We dated for several years, um, we got married, and so it's another case of God saying, you've got all sort of damage behind you in what I've given you before, but I'm gonna give you this, and I'm gonna give you this. I'm gonna give you children. I'm gonna give you a family, not because you've earned it, not because you deserve it, simply because I'm making the choice to show my love to you. And that's, that's where we are now. Um, he said, I have, a, I have a wonderful wife. We've been given three beautiful children. God is always, always pursuing us, no matter how fast we run from him, no matter how far we run from him, he is always there waiting to give you that opportunity to get off of this path and get back on the right one. Man, I am so thankful for Jonathan's story and just his transparency. Uh, he has shared that in our, our one of our man church experiences before, and it's real. It happens to everyday people, right? Let's let's not pretend that it doesn't. And what I love is I love hearing about God's grace. Amen. God is a God of grace. God is a God of forgiveness, and He meets us in the middle of our mess. And what I also love is that Jonathan doesn't want to waste the mistake that he made, and loves to share to help others. And in this book of Proverbs. What we see is a father who is coming alongside a son that he loves, a son who is going to be a leader, a king one day, and he's putting his arm around his son. And if you recall, as we've looked in this book together, I told you in the first week in the introduction that it's broken into kind of different sections. In the first nine chapters, you have this father, Solomon, who is selling the idea of wisdom to his son. He is saying, son, every day you're going to come to this fork in the road. There are going to be these decisions that you are going to need to make. These dilemmas are going to present themselves to you. And you need to start by pursuing wisdom, by going after wisdom. Uh, and, and, and these are the things of the Lord. These are the things, the, the, the principles that God has given us to, uh, not, not to be like overbearing to us, but to give us these boundaries in our lives because we have a God that loves us. It starts with, and he says, it starts with the fear of the Lord. It's understanding who you are, understanding who God is, pursuing the things of God. That is where wisdom begins, and that's where we keep entering into over and over again. But he said also, he said, as we're going to read, there is going to be a seduction of sin. There's going to be another pathway, this pathway of folly. And this pathway is going to be attractive. This pathway is going to seek to seduce you. It's going to seek to, to call you just as strongly as this pathway of wisdom is calling out to you. And he, here's what he's going to say. And I've, I've watched many a man, many a woman who has made the mistake and has gone down this wrong path. So in chapter 7, he tells a story to his son. He, he, he puts his arm around him. I, I could just en, en, envision him having this talk with his son. I don't know how old the son is. But I know that he is actively, parents, this is a model for us, actively involved in talking to his son about something that he knows can wreck his life. Something that if he doesn't talk to his son about this, somebody will. Somebody else is going to interject their thoughts. The world will speak into that kind of situation. And, and here is what he's saying. Son, I, I want you to understand that there, there was a young man that end up, ended up in an undesired destination. And I want you to know how to avoid that. I want you to know what the stakes are in the decisions that you make on a daily basis. We've all asked the question... How did I get here, man? How did I end up in this place? I never thought I would end up here. How many times have I gotten on the scale when I hadn't been on in a while and I thought, how did I get to that number? You ever been there? 
How did I get to that? I, I wasn't paying attention. I was kind of just, you know, uncommitted or whatever. Or, or maybe for you, it, it wasn't that. Maybe you found yourself in such a hole of debt, you had no idea. You're, you've got the bills sprawled out. You've got more bills. You've got, you've got not enough money to cover the end of the month. And you're thinking probably like I have before too because I made that mistake. How did I get here? How in the world did we end up so far in debt? Or, or maybe for you, you've had a friend or maybe somebody that loves you that's been speaking to you about something that you know in your heart has been an addiction for some time and you've just kind of been in denial about it and you've just kind of been blowing them off. But finally, maybe they've gotten through to you and you recognize where you are at now and you wonder, how in the world did I end up here? How did I get to this place to where I'm addicted to this? I never anticipated this. I never thought this would happen to me. I thought it only happened to other people. How did I get here? Maybe as a couple, you're sitting in the counselor's room. You're on the couch. You're telling your story. And in the middle of this, it just comes over you or comes over her. And you think maybe even together, how did we end up here? What went wrong? How did this happen? We never planned on our lives, our marriage falling apart, our life falling apart. Solomon takes us to this story as he observes a young man who definitely must have had this thought. The story involves this young man who is called Simple, as we will explain this in a minute. He ended up in a destination where he was at the wrong place at the wrong time dealing with devastating consequences. As we read about, Solomon wants his son to to understand this up front. Solomon's bringing this to his son, the story, in very vivid language. He's trying to capture his son's attention as he will for us, but he's also saying, I want you to see, son, how this often turns out. It's not what you think. It's, it never is what you think. And what he's wanting to do and what he's wanting to do for us is he's wanting to save us a lot of pain. He's wanting to save us the mistakes that others have made to where we learn from this. And there's wisdom, real wisdom, in learning from the mistakes of others. So he's going to give us some ways that we end up in undesired destinations. So Proverbs chapter 7, starting in verse 6, this is what he says to his son. While I was at the window of my house, looking through the curtain. Solomon's a king. I just envision him. He you know, up in his palace, and he's up and as, as, as it would be maybe in the higher part of the city, being able to look down, and he's noticing this group of young men. He's doing a little people watching, and he's telling his son about his observation. What he's doing is he's inviting his son into the story, and he's inviting you into the story with him as an observer. The ability to be able to see something that is going on with somebody else, and he says in verse 7, I saw some naive young men. That is a dangerous group right there. Naive young men. And one in particular who lacked common sense. The word naive is the word simple. It's the word petite. Okay, and this word is not... Now, we, we see this. He's looking. He says, I see these, these, these young men... And I want you to know, as we hear that word simple, we may be inclined to think that that's kind of insulting, what he's saying. He's not, this is not an insult. He's describing a group of young men, this word petit, it means inexperienced. It, it, it means they, they are, they have some, some naive, you know, tendencies and, and they maybe, here's what the word literally means, open, and what it means is uncommitted to a path. I just kind of roll through life without giving much thought about things, and I just go wherever I want to go. And, and without real, and there's, an, there's this openness, not openness in a good way. I'm not committed to the way of wisdom. I just roll with a whatever happens mentality. And he says that is counted among the simple. And, and that's counted among those who are foolish. If you recall in this book, he's going to present these characters. One is wise. He is wise. He's pursuing the things of God. He's not perfect. She's not perfect, but they're pursuing God. They understand and they, they, they love the Lord and, the, and they fear God, and fear him in that way we've taught about, understanding their place, understanding God's place, and, they, and they, they, they understand that God has put parameters in place, not because he's mean, but because he loves us. 
And he's trying to keep us out of the weeds. He's trying to keep us from making mistakes in our life. These boundaries that he has set up. So you have the wise. But then you have the fool. And then there are categories of fools. There's one who is called a scoffer or a mocker. They mock the things of God. They scoff at the things of God. And, he will, and then if you decide to follow the things of God, they will mock you and scoff at you. You're an idiot for even thinking that or believing that. They're very cynical. And he says, this is a foolish way to live that leads to also a path of destruction. And it's very dangerous. But this young man is not a scoffer yet. This young man is called the simple. He's called a simpleton. And again, he's naive. He's vulnerable. He's inexperienced. He's in a place, as we're going to see, that is going to make him incredibly vulnerable to making a devastating choice. Chapter 27 helps us understand what it means to be simple. Let's look at this in Proverbs 27, verse 12. A prudent person. This word prudent, it means one who's seeking wisdom. Again, not perfection. You're not perfect. You're just seeking the things of God. You want to do the right things. You want to make the right choices, right? You, you, the fear of the Lord is in your life. And look what he does. He foresees something that's out ahead and the danger, and he takes precautions. Look at the next part. The simpleton, though, what does he do? Goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. He just keeps pressing on. Ah, whatever. It's not going to apply to me. You know, that's for other people. The key word is he foresees this. The simple, the simple just keeps moving forward with no recognition of the danger signs and understanding some things that are there. He doesn't even, this guy doesn't even realize how much danger is out ahead. And there are these times in our life where we end up, how did I end up here and what Solomon would say, ways we end up in undesired places, these undesired destinations, this is what he's saying first. Oftentimes, we just wander onto the wrong path. There's, there's not an intent to get into something. We, just, we end up just kind of wandering, in, sometimes innocently, sometimes just naively. We had no intention of the consequence happening in our life or the bad outcome. We wander into this because we are petite, that simple. We're simple, and we all know what this feels like. I remember whenever I got my first credit card at 18, and I just remember thinking, free money, this is awesome, right? And some of you probably did the same thing, and, and, and I made some decisions where I started digging a hole of debt very early on in my life that ended up not only just affecting me, but after Hope and I got married, she married a man who had debt. He didn't have money, right? He, she, he had debt. And it took us a long time to get out of that hole. I was naive about that. I was inexperienced with money. And it ended up not only affecting me, it affected my wife, it, it affected our kids, it affected our church early on because when I planted this church, we were in a mess. We were in a mess personally, okay? And I remember with the bills sprawled out on our table at one point and I was so stressed out and I remember thinking this, how did I get here? How did this happen? Little decisions, little forks in the road every day, continuing to choose the easy way instead of of, of maybe the hard way, right, and, and, and a little self-denial or whatever, just continuing to live, and you just keep thinking. Maybe for you, it's a destructive habit that you wandered into as a teenager. You went to a party. As you're in the party, somebody introduces you to something. You never intended to, maybe a few years later, to become an addict. You never thought you'd be an alcoholic. You never thought you'd have a drug problem. You never thought you would end up in a situation like this. We never think it's going to be us. We always think that's other people. That's other people, you know, and the next thing you know, decades later, you're battling an addiction that you wandered into as an inexperienced teenager. Maybe there's some deep regrets that you have that you're carrying still today. By the way, God's grace is awesome and powerful and deep within our hearts, and, but it's regrets that happen from something that was decades ago. And you still carry this today, and this is what Solomon is getting at. Now, we may be inclined to think that the simple only includes 
young people. Now, certainly it can, and that's much of what he's saying. There was a group of young men. They're inexperienced. They've not been in this situation. But I want you to know that that's, it's not only for young people. It's for any of us who enter into a new scenario. You enter into a time where you don't have the experience in that area. It could be you're entering into a new season of a new career. And you may be older, but, but you could be counted at this point. It's not an insult, just among the simple that you don't yet have the lay of the land yet. And there are pitfalls all around. And you're not aware of them yet. It could be that maybe you're a brand new parent. And, and you're just trying to figure out how to parent your kids. This isn't an insult, but you might be counted among the simple in this because you haven't done it before. And you're, I mean, it's, it's hard. I remember driving home with our first son, Luke, with driving home with him, our first child, and I was terrified because I was like, really? No, that one of the nurses isn't coming home to help us? Really? We're, we we got to do this? It was scary. I was among the simple there. Or maybe you're, you're in a new marriage, brand new. You're newlyweds. And again, not to insult you, but you may be in a place where you're not aware of some of the pitfalls. And what Solomon is trying to do is he's trying to help his son. Here's what he's trying to do. Pay attention. Look up. Notice things. Watch others. See where they make mistakes. And son, learn from them. Learn from them. How do we avoid it? Look, he's going he's gonna to say this in Proverbs 21. When a scoffer, when a scoffer is punished, the simple become wise. Do, do we have that screen? Can we bring that up on screen? When a scoffer is punished, the simple become wise. What he's saying is pay attention when you see things when others, when you read about it, when you see articles, when, when, you, when you notice, I, I noticed a mayor of a major city re, just yesterday, I saw it, uh, married for 40 plus years, had an affair on his wife, right? And, and, and you see that, and I look at that, and I don't go, I would never be that. That's not what he's saying. It's going, where did it go wrong? Where did it go wrong for that? How can I learn and I don't want to make the same kind of mistake. How do we avoid this? When a scoffer is punished, the simple become wise. And the rest of the verse says, when a wise man is instructed, he gains knowledge. What this says is you may already have wisdom, but you realize you can always learn from somebody. You realize that, that you can continue to grow. You can continue to, you know, you, you realize this. You haven't arrived. Neither have I. We, we still can grow. We still can gain more wisdom. And, 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 and so Solomon is trying to steer his, his son into making good choices. And, and he's trying to steer them away from the mistakes of others. But he's going to show them what a bad decision looks like. And, 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 you got, and he's, he's trying to give him a proactive plan is what he's doing. I want you to know this, that if you're in new territory... You're, you can be in a vulnerable position. If you are, again, a young married, this is what you might want to do. You may want to find a couple that has been married for a good while that you see, you see fruit in their marriage that is powerful. They're not perfect, I promise you that. But they've been around the block and they know some things and it would be wise for you to say, because good marriages that last a long time, they do not happen by accident. How did you get to this place, which is a good place? We're inexperienced in this. Would you help us? Older couples, we need to be willing to invite them into our lives, okay? Um, if you're a new parent, it would be a great thing to find somebody. This is what we're supposed to do in church. We help each other, amen? We pour into one another. We disciple one another. That's what we're supposed to be about, to find a, a couple that maybe has raised, a, 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 you know, their kids. Their kids aren't perfect. Their family's not perfect. How did, you, how, did you, how did you navigate life? It'd be a good thing if maybe somebody you know has been through some deep hurt in their life and you are battling with a similar kind of hurt, but you've watched them navigate it well. And maybe you find a, a moment to say, would you mind just sharing with me, how did you keep from getting from getting bitter because I'm really struggling with bitterness how, how did I how did I get here is this question that we often ask again if you've if you've made a mistake in your life if you've 
if you fouled up in the past in some kind of way, and we all have, I want you to know, and I love the fact that Jonathan and Natalie very much, Natalie encouraged him into this, I want you to use your story to help other people. If you've messed up, God wants to redeem your mistakes to help others. Do you know that? God wants to turn something that was bad in your life to keep others keep others out of the weeds whenever it comes to those same mistakes. I just want to say this. Our students need us. Our kids need us. We're called to, to help them not wander into this. And so these undesired places, sometimes we wander into them, and now he's going to begin to talk about another way we end up in this, and he's going to really begin to get more descriptive. In verse 8, he says he was crossing the street. The he is the, the one particular young man the simple among the simple, was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman, strolling down the path by her house. And I want you to notice just how descriptive he is here. It was at twilight. In the evening, as deep darkness fell, the woman approached him, seductively dressed and sly of heart. Now, we don't know for sure if this is a, de a definite thing that he's watching or if he's just telling a story, but I will tell you this, this is more than just about sexual immorality. I want you to know this is about the seduction of sin. It's not just about sex uh, in the wrong way, in the wrong place, wrong time, but I do want you to know there are red flags. We see that he is in, he is in the wrong place, he's strolling, kind of wandering, and he is also in the wrong place, did you see? Twilight, and it even says as deep darkness fell under the cover of darkness. Tells me there wasn't a lot of accountability. And, and we see he's in the wrong place, wrong time. Solomon is saying, son, you want to understand not to put yourself in these positions. There are danger signs that are going to emerge, and when you begin to see these things, you have some decisions to make, and so you're in on the story. He's telling the story. You're viewing this. How many of you like scary movies? Anybody like scary movies? It's okay. Anybody? All right. Me only? Okay. But, but I know this. When I watch one of those, I'm like, don't go in there. You ever watch that? Or, or I, love, I love Jaws, okay? I grew up watching that, and I still watch it every time it comes on. And I'm like, don't go in the water. Can you not hear the music? Right? It's the danger signs. Now they don't, but, but, but it's like, here's what he's doing. He's creating this tension. Do you feel it? That's what he's creating with his son. And he's saying, I want you to see this, son. Don't even go there. Don't even go there. Maybe it's the guy who he has struggled with alcohol. And it's something that has been wrecking his life. And he's so tired of it. He hates where he's at in his life right now. But he keeps going to the place over and over again and puts himself in a position on a Saturday night around people who also struggle with that. And he falls into that again and again. And he's like, how did I get to there? How did I do this? Or, or, or maybe it's, it's not that. Maybe she knows this. She knows that whenever she's around this group of friends, she loves them, but she always feels discontent. And she always, when she's discontent, I mean, she loves to shop with them, but she always way overspends when she's with them. And they kind of like feed off of one another in this. And, and then she gets the bill a month later and she's like, how did I get here? Why do I keep putting myself in the same position? Or maybe it's the guy that at night, he knows that he has struggled with the things that he looks at and his wife goes to bed and, and he knows that if he gets on the internet that there are dangers that are there when he doesn't have proper accountability, he is messed up over and over again. But he continues to either flip through the channels, nobody's around, it's at the time of night where he is most vulnerable and he ends up blowing it again. How in the world did I get here? Or it could be this, that, you know, this married couple, she's at work and, you know, and, and, and they're in a rough season in their marriage and hu the husband hasn't been paying attention to her as he should. 
And, but there's a man at work that starts paying attention to her. And he's funny. She, her, one of her friends notices that she starts dressing up maybe a little more than she normally would. Just, and friend's like, who are you dressing up for? What's going on, you know? And, and is something going on there? No, no, we're, we're just friends. We're friends. He's funny. He makes me laugh. Texts start happening. And then the texts get a little more personal. They don't have anything to do with work. A friendship does emerge and then before you know, there's an intimate detail that is shared. And the next thing you know, she's saying, he understands me, my husband does not. Guys, you know this happens all the time, right? We're living in the real world of brokenness where people are people and where there's discontentment in our lives and things begin to emerge. And we end up saying, how did I get here? We dismiss the warning signs, we disregard, we oftentimes end up failing because we end up in a place of saying this, famous last words of a fool, you ready? I got this. I'm the exception here. Well, I'll be all right. I've got this. Wrong place, wrong time. The truth is, we don't have this when we think we do. And many have said these words. We end up in an undesired destination. We think, how did I get here? I never meant to hurt my wife. I never meant to lose my job. I never meant to hurt my kids. I never meant to ruin my reputation. I never meant to lose my ministry. That so many times. Here is what we learn in this difficult thing. Solomon is saying, Son, we choose our behaviors, but we don't get to choose our consequences. We get to make these choices. You're free, I'm free, we're adults, we, right? But we don't get to control who gets hurt and how long they're hurt by our actions. He's saying, You don't have control over this. And what he's going to say is, son, I want to show you something. This story doesn't end well. In fact, if you know about Solomon, you know this. You know that um, there was a man who was his father. Solomon's dad was David. David was a man after God's own heart. Read his story. David blew it in this area. And Families, lives, a nation was devastated. David, if you know his story, was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And what Solomon is saying, it must have pained Solomon to talk about this, right? This was personal to him. This is something he had seen happen that, you know, or, or, or people were probably still talking about the scandal that happened with what he's saying to his son, the scandal that happened with granddad. He's a man after God's own heart. But son, I want you to know he wasn't above messing up and failing. We need to learn. We need to learn from the mistakes of others. I want you to know as we read the rest of this, this isn't a passage that degrades or devalues women. It doesn't, this isn't to blame the woman. It takes two to tango, right? This, if you, in fact, Solomon's not being sexist here. You need to know that, okay? Um, in fact, Solomon would include a chapter 31 of Proverbs about the, what a virtuous, godly woman looks like and the power of her life upon her husband and her children and the community. Solomon also would personify wisdom as a woman. He's not sexist. He's having a talk with his son about a problem that many young men have. Not just young men, but also young women. In fact, it would be just as easy, it would be just as easy for a mom to be talking to her daughter about these same temptations. This is about the seduction of sin, not just sexual sin. I also want you to hear this. This isn't an anti-sex message. God created sex, and sex created by God is good. Amen, right? You can say amen. It's okay. All right? I want you to know that. In, in fact, in chapter 5, 
he talks to his son about love the woman of your youth, your wife. Cultivate a good sex life with her. God created sex. This isn't an anti-sex message. This is, son, I want you to know the dangers when we step out of God's boundaries in these particular issues. God loves us. He says this, the woman approached him. The woman approached him seductively dressed and sly of heart. She was brash, the rebellious type, never content to stay at home. There's a restlessness there. I want you also to see there is this progression. There are promises that sin will make to all of us. She is often in the streets and markets soliciting at every corner. Isn't that true? Everywhere we go, temptations are everywhere. They're abundant. She threw her arms around him. Sin will do that to us. Threw her arms around him and kissed him. And with a brazen look, she said, I've just made my peace offerings and fulfilled my vows. She even knows how to talk the religious talk. This happens in churches. Okay? I've sacrificed. There's a justification that is happening. I've given up a lot. You've given up. We deserve this. We deserve to be happy. You're the one, she says, I was looking for. I came out to find you, and here you are. Here's what this is saying. You're special. You're special. You are the one who is the exception. My bed is spread with beautiful blankets, with colored sheets of Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. There is a sensory overload that is happening to this young man. Come, let's drink our fill of love until morning. Let's enjoy each other's caresses. Here is where sin is. The proposition is being made, and there is a promise of satisfaction and fulfillment. Let's fill ourselves with this, and then we see this, for my husband is not home. He is away on a long trip. He has taken a wallet full of money with him, and he won't return until later this month. Here is another promise that sin will make. There is a promise of safety. Here's what she's saying. What happens here stays here. No one will ever find out. Sin makes all of these false promises to us. And here's what Solomon is saying. And the simple one believes it. We buy into the lie. We take the bait. And before you know it, we're hooked. We're hooked. It's a trap. Look, he's going to begin to talk about the trap. So she seduced him with her pretty speech and enticed him with her flattery. He is at the crossroad. He is being called by wisdom. He is being seduced by sin. He is in this place, and he is being seduced by pretty speech and flattery. He followed her at once like an ox going to the slaughter. There's some violent imagery that, that Solomon is going to use, and let me tell you why. He's trying to make his son remember this story. Son, you need to remember this when you're at that crossroad, because you're going to come to the crossroad. And I want you to understand that this is what ends up, it doesn't turn out well. You end up being like an animal that is trapped. Have you ever seen like an animal that is that's like in a trap of some kind? Or maybe you've gone fishing and you got to fish on the hook and it's like doing everything it can to get off the hook, right? And he's saying, I want you to think about this is what you end up following sin into. It's You followed her at once like an ox going to the slaughter. He was like a stag caught in a trap, which means someone's been setting a trap. Awaiting the arrow that would pierce its heart, he was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing it would cost him his life. He says the simple one never thought, this is what he's saying, never thought he would end up in that place, but he did. Simple one did not heed the warning. Solomon is trying to get his son's attention. And what he is saying, son, your choice is going to lead you to something that's going to cost you deeply. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you a career. It may cost you a relationship. It may cost you a marriage. It may cost you a relationship with your kids. It may cost your reputation. 
It always looks good up front. But it never works out the way you think. Why do we do this? Why do we ignore the danger sign? Verse 24, so listen to me. It's like he's grabbing him by the face. Listen to me. Pay attention to my words. Don't let your, what? Heart stray toward her. Don't wander down her wayward path, for she has been the ruin of many, many men have been her victim. Here's what he's saying. It's taking down better men than you. I know you think that you can resist this, but you better be careful. If it took granddad down, it could take you down. That's what he's saying. Her house is the road to the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. He's saying, don't flirt with this. Don't go there. Don't be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Don't let your, don't let your heart stray on the path. And I could just imagine the kid, if you've ever lectured your kids, he's probably like, okay, dad. Sheesh. All right, I get it. I will never step foot on the path. No, son, you didn't listen. I didn't talk about your feet. I talked about your heart. Don't even let your heart go down that path. Because here is the thing. Where our heart goes, there our feet will follow. When you begin to dwell upon the things, when you begin to entertain the things, when you begin to get in this place of, again, a scenario. Maybe somebody's hurt you and all you can think about over and over, you replay the hurt and and, and, you know, and you don't ever move into forgiveness and you're playing the tapes over and over and over again. And then you end up years later so bitter and you're like, how did I get here? Because your heart went there and your feet eventually will follow. Same thing with debt. How did I get so discontent? How did I get? Your heart went there first. Your feet will follow. This is what he's saying. Now, I know oftentimes, now, I, I get this, okay? We say, follow your heart, follow your heart. It sounds right. It sounds good. I know it's well-intentioned, but we have to understand something, that the Bible says this, that all of our hearts are infected by sin. We all can be deceived by our hearts. I know that sounds right to say, follow your heart, but the Bible would say, you need to put your trust in something that is more stable than even your heart. Even something that is more trustworthy than your heart. And that's why Solomon would say this in chapter 3. This is what you want to trust. You don't want to trust your heart. Now we say, oh, i got to do my truth. I want to do my truth. You realize a toddler will rip something out of another toddler's hands and say, mine. You didn't have to teach him how to do it, did you? He's infected with sin just like we are, okay? You realize when he ripped that out of his hands, what he's saying is, this is my truth. We need something that goes beyond our truth. We need God's truth that transcends this. This is what Solomon would say. Don't trust in your heart. No, this is what he says. Trust in the Lord. Look at Proverbs. Bring that up on the screen. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't trust in your heart. Trust in the Lord. Trust God first. Seek God first. What does God say about it, not what your heart says about it? Do not depend on your own understanding, your own reasoning. Seek his will in everything. Seek his will in everything. Every area of your life, seek what God would say about this. And then look, when you come to the path, he will show you which path to take. He'll show you. He wants to keep you off of that bad path. What he's saying is, son, you got to guard your heart. When you guard your heart, that's going to guard where your feet go. And when you guard your heart and your feet, that's going to guard your future. And you got to understand it's all connected. Some of you today, you had no idea I was going to talk about something like this. But maybe you realize you've been flirting with going down some path that you see the danger signs. And God's trying to get your attention today. Let me tell you why. Because he loves you. Just like you as a parent are like, no, son, don't, don't go that way. Don't do this. Why do you do that? You love them. You, you, I want you to hear this. You have a heavenly father who loves you. Amen. And he's saying, I want you to experience 
the best possible life you can. Where I've got boundaries in place because I love you. There's some of you, maybe you have made a horrible mistake and you find yourself in the middle of a mess. And I want you to know something. I don't stand up here to condemn you today. I love you. God loves you. I can't change your consequences. You most likely can't change your consequences. But I want to point you to someone who will meet you right in the middle of your mess. And his name is Jesus. Amen. And he loves you and he wants to restore you and he wants to wrap his arms around you. And he love you can't make him love you any more than he already does. He loves you. We have a God that loves us. We have a God that cares enough about us to tell us about things like this, to keep us out of the messes. So I want us to just to bow our heads before the Lord as we come before God, as we end our service. We're going to do a, a final song and I don't know where you're at today. Maybe, maybe you're at the crossroad today and the Lord is calling out to you. He's calling out in wisdom. Come, come to me. Come to Jesus today. Folly is also going to be calling out to you. It's going to be seeking to seduce you. It's going to seek on a regular basis. Maybe you're struggling with some shame or some sin or some regrets that you have in your life. And I, I want you to know, I didn't bring these things up just to, to weigh you down. You're not meant to carry that. You need to bring that. You need to drop that at the feet of Jesus today and embrace his grace and his love for you. Lord, we just come to you. We humble ourselves. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for caring about us, Lord. We thank you for speaking to us about the tough things because you love us. So, Lord, will you meet your people today? Thank you, Jesus, for dying for every sin so that we could have a relationship with the Father that loves us. We praise you today, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me as we sing this last song?